and his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will put the sheep at his right hand and the goats at the left. And then the king will say to those at his right hand, come you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you took care of me. I was in prison and you visited me. And then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when was it that we saw you hungry and gave you food or thirsty and gave you something to drink? And when was it that we saw you a stranger and welcomed you or naked and gave you clothing? And when was it that we saw you sick or in prison and visited you? And the king will answer them, Truly I tell you, just as you did it to one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did it to me. Then he will say to those at his left hand, You who are cursed, depart from me into eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me food, no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not welcome me, naked, and you did not give me clothing, sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they will also answer, Lord, when was it that we saw you hungry, or thirsty, or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and did not take care of you? Then he will answer them, truly I tell you, just as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Hey, this is the gospel, <laughs> right? Thanks be to God. No, in all seriousness, this is the gospel, and thanks be to God. And when we read a passage like this, it may be hard for us to reflexively respond in that way. Now let's pray and think about this passage together. God, open our ears and hearts that we might hear the good news that you are our Redeemer, you are our judge, and you are both at the same time. In Christ's name, amen. What if every time, what if every time we heard a passage about judgment in Scripture, we felt hope instead of fear? Perhaps this morning, when you heard what Jesus had to say just now, the passage that we read, perhaps you felt hopeful right away. If so, that's great. That is really great. But for many of us, it's just not that way. Judgment passages, particularly the ones that invoke apocalyptic language about punishment, those passages make us fearful. Or for some, they simply figure that they don't apply to them at all. Perhaps some say, hey, I'm saved by grace. I got nothing to worry about. I humbly submit to you that the contemporary church largely misunderstands 
how to read judgment passages. Now, one reason that I think this is true is that we can't see them in any other way other than tied to and an aspect of damnation. Anna Case Winters, in her really great commentary on Matthew, puts it this way, though. Theologically, the meaning content of the judgment becomes desiccated when the concept is separated from redemption. Better insights arise when we are clear that judgment is ordered towards redemption. End quote. Judgment ordered towards redemption. We talked about that a little bit when we were preaching through some of the parables in the Gospel of Luke a couple of months ago. Noting that God's promise to judge is a key aspect of the gospel of the kingdom. The promise of the world to come, it is warp and woof with the good news that redemption is about making things right for all people and the whole of human history. The whole of human history, global history, and personal histories. We often don't think of the goal of God's redemptive work being so sweeping and inclusive. And this too contributes to our weak understanding of what is being said and implied in judgment passages. But as Miroslav Voth has said in so many places and so beautifully in words like these, redemption is not about just being given a fresh beginning but must also be about having all of one's failed beginnings, failed middles, and failed ends being redeemed. For this, for this vision of the world to come, we need grace and judgment working together as part of God's healing of the nations and healing of us. So summing up these introductory theological ponderings, put it this way, none of us will really know the whole of who we are and who we will become until Judgment Day. That is for sure a thought with gravitas It's a sobering thought, but it's a thought that is to be welcomed instead of avoided. Because judgment and grace go hand in hand. Well, that's the theological framework in which I humbly suggest that we listen to Jesus' story about a king and a sheep and goats. A framework that insists that God's judgment is foundational to God's redemptive future for this world. Now to the story. Jesus says here that when people come face to face with him and themselves, that they will see the whole of their lives in light of how they have treated powerless people at the margins of society. And the results will be shocking and surprising. That is because Jesus makes solidarity with the weak, 
the vulnerable, those at the margins, so much so that he says that caring for them and loving them well is the same thing as caring for Jesus and loving Jesus well. It's remarkable to note, too, that the justice owed to our fellow human beings is simply because they are human. Because they bear God's image, a la Psalm 8. That's why this story that Jesus tells, this kind of simile parable, if you will, this is what judgment is like, okay? That's why the story is told from the angle that it's told from. Because it's all about people being made in God's image. And each and every human being worthy of our care. Especially those at the margins. On judgment day, the sheep and the goats are surprised. Sheep and the goats are surprised. That loving the vulnerable is the same thing as loving Jesus. We like to think that we would love Jesus wherever we find him. But the surprise seems to be where the righteous king and judge is found. This is why the mission statement of our church leads with these words. To actively seek the good of individuals and the welfare of the city. And then says, by embracing the good news or through embracing the good news of God's redemptive promise. In other words, we live into that mission simply because it is the right and good thing to do to walk with the grain of God's universe and the future of the world to come. This is what people are meant to do. This is how you represent God in a fallen world. This is how you live into that soaring language about human beings in Psalm 8, is to actively seek the good of individuals and the welfare of the city. We do it because people bear God's image. And that is, by the way, why Jesus does it too. That's why he's there with them for the same reason. The story of judgment that Jesus tells here is meant to order the way we live now. Because how we live now is already part of how we will live in the world to come. So what to make of it? Well, the sheep are surprised and humbly joyful to have discovered that their acts of mercy were actually a form of worshiping Jesus. And the goats are thinking, well, if we had only known. Well, after the story is told, everyone does know. But does that knowledge change how we live? For now, it's safe to say there's a bit of sheep and goat in each of us, and our ongoing redemption is only completed when we are 100% sheep. Judgment reveals who we are. 
And to go back to that Volf idea, uh, redemption, the world to come, it's not redemption if it isn't about this world, the history of our world, the history of each one of us. We must be redeemed from our failed beginnings, our failed middles, and our failed ends. For many of us on Judgment Day, we will experience painful knowledge, but it's important to remember that it's all part of God's healing of the nations and healing of us. So how do we respond to this parable? We respond in hopefulness, in repentance and openness to change. That's the mark of redemption at work. Now, will it be painless? No. Will it be good for us? Absolutely, yes. Our world needs hope. And the way to talk about hope is to talk about hope in a way that aligns with the patterns of living that will be the only acceptable patterns of living in the world to come. And we know this because we are put on notice that the just king... Jesus summons all people to order their lives according to the needs of the least of these. So, my encouragement to you, and, you know, there are moments in the history of the church where certain aspects of how to understand God's redemptive work are brought to the fore. The Reformation was one of those moments. Um, The majesty of salvation by grace and faith alone was brought to the fore in a way that was transformative and helpful, to put it mildly. Um, I wonder if our time demands a moment of reckoning with the need to talk about grace and judgment as part of one whole cloth of God's redemption. Because that seems to be how it's talked about in Scripture. So let's welcome judgment with the understanding that redemption will not be complete in our lives or this world until judgment has its intended effect on all of us to make us into the people of God who treat one another with mercy and compassion until we are all found in the end to be sheep and not goats. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.